Welcome back to the Spinner Rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast. We're your hosts, Andy with Justice Number Eight and Stephen with DP7 Number Eight. Started in 1986, the New Universe was an imprint from Marvel Comics dedicated to a more grounded and less fantastic approach to comics and world building. The idea was the world outside your window with real-time progress and reasonably or cinematically realistic technology, physics, astronomy, and biology. Eight new comic series launched in one month, set in our world in 1986. Now, as the stories progress to 1987, the world still largely doesn't know about paranormals, except for a few secret agencies. With our podcast, you can follow along with us each week as we go through each comic in the order they hit the spinner rack, or just check out individual comics if you already have a favorite. And for the last time, let me say that we also have a recent recap episode that covers the first six issues of each series. Uh, We also have a website, kickersinc.com, where you can find out more about us and our new universe-related obsessions, along with a, the still-available uh, contest, the Super Sleuth Sweepstakes, um, that uh, although we're going to put together something new for that as well soon. At some point, sometime. You know, the future, <laughs> where we'll all live someday. Um, if you uh, want to uh, waste more time online, you can find us over at Twitter at Kinkers Inc., where we uh, update you on the upcoming podcasts. And uh, if you've got more time to kill, I would we recommend our friends over at the Facebook fan page, Marvel Comics New Universe fans. Yeah, it's a good place to. to uh... See lots of little tidbits like uh, original art and such. Um, yeah. yeah, so this week I'll be covering Justice. Tenson is a fish out of water. Possibly an exiled alien policeman. Possibly just a crazy person. But fighting drug dealing street punks and dark wizards from his home dimension. He wields the sword <laughs> and shield of justice as he brings his black and white fight against evil to our morally gray world. Um, so this week... Uh, as listed in Marvel Age, Justice Number Eight, Justice's war against the creator, creators of an addictive designer drug gets even more brutal. Designer Death is written by Roy Thomas, penciled by Jeff Fisherwood, inked by Vince Coletta. Uh, but no, that, I don't think that we're ever getting that story, uh, though we've heard about it a couple times. Uh, from Universe News, which is more current, uh, Becky's been murdered and everyone thinks Justice is guilty. Yeah, Universe News is more accurate because it comes out in the same month as the comics themselves, so there's no less confusion, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, this week I'll be covering DP7. Seven random people, once ordinary and average, begin to display powers extraordinary and paranormal in the wake of the white event. (laughs) Halloween's coming up. (laughs) That's true. Uncertain how to use or even live with their new abilities and their families' reactions. Their lives are upended by the clinic they went to for help, which now hunts them in a bid to control them. Together but not the same, they are seven displaced paranormals on the run, or as we call them, DP7. 
So this week from, again, Marvel Age, the clinic catches DP7. And for those displaced paranormals, the clinic has vowed there will be no escape by Gruenwald, Ryan, and Tenghal. Yeah, that's actually pretty close. Um, yeah. But the uh, Universe News says one by one, the displaced paranormals are captured. Has the clinic finally won? W-O-N. I hope not. I hope not. Those guys are jerks. I can tell you right now. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I had to take take myself a, a short trip, and I looked back at the first issue, and uh, you know, just kind of recognized that breaking point where the the antibody sneaks upstairs and hears them all arguing about how they're going to really have to brainwash Randy O'Brien really bad. Cause they're, he's annoying them. <laughs> so it's like, okay, okay. Yeah. It's been a while, but I remember that's why they left. Yeah, that's good. The, um, I'm kind of looking forward to getting back to those, uh, clinic goons. Um, maybe more like enemy paranormals. Um, if they get back there, I don't know. Yeah, and in the in that first issue too, when they when they're giving the the two guys like the tour, and they have all the paranormals like working out, like you you can even spot uh, uh, what's his name like shrapnel with the psychoplasmic pimple popper. All oh, right, right. At least what looks like him like working out in the room kind of stuff. So lots lots of good little tidbits to go back. Welcome to season three, where we go back and revisit the first <laughs> issue. <laughs> Hey, why not, right? Doesn't have our cool music in the first couple of episodes. <laughs> well, anyway, it's not DP7 time. It's justice time, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> justice number eight. Uh, cover June 1987. Uh, actual newsstand date March 10th, 1987. So we're getting into March here. Um, our cover, as well as most of the whole book is Isherwood. Um, so Justice on the cover looks like he's in prison with an MCC label on his shirt. Um, but most of his Justice outfit otherwise. He's got one guard in a headlock. The other one is punching in the face as a uh, stunned prisoner looks on. So prison fight. Expression on a couple of those characters is pretty good, yeah. But. So we'll finally get like our prison fight issue that I was hoping for in uh, Spitfire and the Troubleshooters that we'd get the, the caged heat ladies in prison episode that we never did. Oh, big Bridget, we hardly knew you. <laughs> She'll be back, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Justice, right? Not Spitfire, not DB7, Justice. Why are we so disfused today? I don't know, but... <laughs> The grand tour, every, every book, all the time. Um, so yeah, open the book. The title of the story is Blindsided with an exclamation point. Um, so yeah, we've, we've had a, a run here of Jeff Isherwood as story and pencils. Uh, so we do have Isherwood pencils and Coletta inks like the uh, original solicitation had. Uh, just no Roy Thomas. Uh, but yeah, we've had the last couple issues of Isherwood, which have been pretty good. Um, for like the briefest of recaps, um, Dad, the worst named villain of all time, uh, <laughs> but still menacing and okay. Otherwise, <laughs> besides the name, 
uh, after squaring off with justice, escaped back to you know the winterlands, you know his dimension, uh, but took Becky with him. And then we've been following along as Becky has uh, been paralleling what happened to Justice. She showed up in the wizard dimension, but without her memories, and has been kind of tricked by the bad guys into killing Justice warriors. Uh, whereas Justice uh, went through a depression, came out of it. Um, and then trying to find his way back to rescue her, basically. Um, but yeah, we basically pick up right where we left last issue, where uh, the police have tracked him down um, and think that he murdered Rebecca Chambers. So, so yeah, so that's, that's our starting point. <clears throat> You're under the arrest for the murder of Rebecca Chambers, but she's not dead. She's been kidnapped. Who's making this accusation? So Justice still doesn't quite understand how the police work and stuff, but um, so yeah, he's oh, trying. Oh, good. I was just going to say, it's again, kidnapped. Kidnapped. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Well. Seven last month was uh, <clears throat> had a couple of those. It's like a Marvel house style is to drop peas. I don't know. <laughs> Inside joke or something? <laughs> Sorry, but anyway, anyway. So, so Justice is kind of kind of talking himself out of it. You know, he kind of knows what really happened, but it doesn't really make sense as a story if you're trying to tell the police that, oh, well, she's just been transported to the other dimension. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he's he's been here long enough that he doesn't sort of just start, start with the crazy talk immediately. So Right. Right. So, yeah, he def- he's definitely getting more savvy. You're wrong to arrest me. She's not been murdered. Uh, but the cop just slams him on the tax on Arnie's taxi. You know, says, "Don't joke with me, slime. I trained with Chambers, so he's taking it personal." Um, and Justice kind of turns and gives him a really serious-looking glare. I like the art on that panel, um, where the other cop is there, kind of trying to talk the guy down, who's being too rough. Uh, but justice gives him like a huge backhand like okay we're throwing down now Uh, but then immediately it gets shot Uh, so nyc police acting like la police i don't know (laughs) uh, uh, what like g-man justice department or something yeah yeah but anyway so shoot him but just in the arm um so he's relatively okay in that 80s action movie thing where you can get shot in the arm and it's not really that big a deal <clears throat> uh, but he also heals fast too so in this case it probably isn't that big a deal um so as arnie's kind of trying to talk him down um justice decides eh, maybe i should just go with them i'm injured i need to heal maybe i can go with them to try and get closer to conquest's operation um, and then the level-headed cop, you know, puts the gun to his neck um, and, you know, that's it, right? So I've been tracking escaped convicts for 27 years. I know how to deal with your type. You know, so they load justice in the police car and Arnie's left there with a little warning, you know, don't leave town. We might need to question you. And then he starts thinking to himself, Arnie, this is the cab driver who's been helping him out and uh, bunking with him. Uh, he's always getting into so much trouble and beginning to wonder if this is where I should get off. Nah, I've stuck with him through too much already. Good luck, pal. <laughs> so Arnie's Arnie's here for keeps. <laughs> we hope. <laughs> it's been good so far. It's, uh, yeah. Like a classic buddy cop 
movie. It's really the only friend Justice has at this point, too. So Hoyt Pittman's gone. Becky's gone. It's just Arnie and Justice. So uh, we switched to, and there's a lot of switching back and forth in this comic between the Winterland and Becky and Justice in New York City. Um, Home of the Conquests. So I guess that's like their name, not just like the the fake name they used to, on Earth or whatever, but again, the naming's <laughs> funny. <laughs> and yeah, Damon Conquest is kind of an oddball, uh, but he's he's drinking wine. I find your earthly wines appealing. And he hands a glass to Becky, Chateau Lafitte, 1958, and she just throws it in his face and says, "I'd sorry, Damon, I'd sooner settle for a bud, as in Budweiser." <laughs> Um, so actually he seemed like he was being pretty reasonable, but she, she throws down, you know, kind of leans him over a balcony, uh, like she's in control, you know, don't pretend it's some harmless camaraderie. You've been after me since the day one and I'm still not interested. Got a word to prepare for. And the last thing I need is your fawning every time we meet, <laughs> which I like is her maybe just totally misreading and overreacting. <laughs> um, Possibly. I mean, they had never really interacted. Like, Justice went to fight Damon on his own. So, I don't know. The first time they met was when they were down in Mexico and with the final confrontation with Dad. So, yeah. Um, and, like, in, in New, well, in California, Damon Conquest was kind of like really devious. He was like, you know, in control, kind of messing with his subordinates and all these kinds of things. And then, you know, here he's just weak. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> so he doesn't doesn't he doesn't seem to have uh, kept that power in the situation, I guess, because dad's around or something. <laughs> anyway, so, so dad sort of interrupts them. He's got something for them to do. Uh, and then we cut back to New York uh, where they're questioning justice. Um, you know, oh, hold on a second. Yeah. So, remember the in the Mexico co- confrontation, Dad first says that Damon was just some wizard that he brought through. Right and now, he says, "My son has taken your point, Miss Chambers." Yeah. So is he here, Dad, or not? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> if they didn't all call him Dad, like, like, because then. If they, it, if, if calls, he calls everyone around him my son, that right. would be even better. <laughs> That's where I took it. That's what I think. Okay, but uh, I don't know. It's it's a bit of a mind bender. <laughs> Just gotta call him, you know, Ragnar or something. You know, give him a bad guy <laughs> name. Life would be so much easier. Ugh. Anyway. So, yeah, so the police are questioning justice. You know, obviously, um, there's no record of him, uh, of his name, is anything anything like that. Um, he kind of talks a little bit more about, um, you know, Damon Conquest is, is who set him up and, you know, that he's a threat to his business and such. Um, and then we get kind of a repeat of earlier. So, you know, Justice Department hasn't been able to pin anything on him at all anyway. Um so Justice shuts down. He's like, well, very well. I see you are adamant. I have nothing more to say. Do you have a lawyer? Uh, no. 
I'm sure he knows what a lawyer is, but he has been watching a lot of TV, so I think he might. Uh, so from there, you know, they're sending him toward, to the prison. Um, we get a prison guard or somebody, you know, calling calling the marshal, right? They're in the Federal Marshal's South Manhattan branch, um, which is, you know, another random sort of guy, another new character. Um, and we don't really get much on him. Uh, it sounds like he's kind of talking in code and like, I don't want to meet with him to discuss the search proposal, but I'm, I had a little trouble understanding that. Um, but it sounds like he doesn't want to come down and mess with justice or Tenson at all. And then basically, you know, again, he's kind of speaks weirdly. So I've trapped the Hawk, but can I keep him? Okay, is this another wizard? I don't know. <laughs> It's something. I mean, yeah, he, he's got a secret panel in his office, which I guess is the Marsh, U.S. Marshal's office or something. Yeah. So I can't does. tell, like, if this is just the Manhattan guy, I thought. Um, whoever's the head of that branch is maybe um, connected to Dad. He's got a glowing orb in a secret closet. So there's something yeah. going on there. Yeah, I kind of take him kind of like uh, like inner gang and like the Superman dark side kind of stuff. Like, you know, he had all of these agents, like criminal agents in Metropolis to kind of work for him. So I feel like that's kind of the same thing here. Like they've got all these guys who are kind of converts or they have something on them or, or whatever. But we're meeting a lot of them in this issue anyway. A lot of characters. Um when we cut back to the Winterlands with Tattoo. Um, so we get a little bit of uh, development of Tattoo who had uh, ambushed them in the diner in issue three, I believe. Um, killed Hoyt Pittman, so this character is unredeemable. Um, but, you know, we haven't seen him too much in a little while. He did show up and kind of attack, but um, here he's bathing. Uh, there's a lot of people coming out of baths and showers in this episode. But uh, so Becky comes to get uh, tattoo, you know, because dad wants you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I struggle with this. Um, but then, you know, he kind of drops some conversation, which seems a little unwise if Becky is convinced that dad is the good guy. You know, he's like, I'm wise to his deceits. He desires he desires corruption even amongst his own ranks to feed his power. Mm. She doesn't sound like he's a big fan. And then she says, but what evil purpose can I serve? Mm. Yeah, does she? I, I can't tell either if she's still got the wool pulled over her eyes, but or now she just thinks evil's great. And I yeah. more evil. Evil means good, right? <laughs> By evil, you mean good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ugh. So he's out, you know, so dad's looking like the colonel at the KFC colonel at the dinner table a little bit, but um, they go to meet him. He's got missions for both of them, basically. Um, the Becky has a kind of, kind of an interesting comment, of like how tattoo seems to relish in the dealing of death. Um, you know, it's necessary to achieve our ends, but regrettable as well. And he's like, you're correct, but we must applaud him for, to undertake these grave missions at the sacrifice of their consciences. I think she was kind of saying he doesn't have a conscience, but mm -hmm. anyway, so 
back to New York. Again, lots of switching. Uh, Justice is getting fingerprinted, um, basically, you know, sent down into jail. Uh, he has some sort of commentary on their prison systems and how I guess this kind of thing is necessary since you can't see evil auras. Um, and then cut these primitive Miranda laws and uh, habeas <laughs> corpus. I don't understand any of it. Well, actually, none of us do justice. I'm... If you got to throw them in prison, that means you got to spend the money to take care of them, right? right. Just vaporize them. It's all done. Just Primitive saying. society. <laughs> you be the judge. <laughs> uh, so. Again, lots of switching. Uh, night has fallen over this posh midtown high rise, right? So where we got tattoo in some kind of Japanese bath, spa, chest shot. Uh, here we get the legs, the dripping wet legs and towel of high profile profile lawyer, Danielle Towson. Um, what I like here is that she is rich lawyer, rich successful lawyer, She's got the fuzzy toilet seat cover. <laughs> That's the, the height of awesomeness in 1987, I think. <laughs> so, and it matches the carpet, and it matches her towel, and it matches the uh, shower curtain. So, so 80s are big. Maybe the fuzzy toilet seat cover will come back. We don't know. I'll never forget uh, visiting like my aunt and uncle and the you, it wouldn't even stay up, you know. It would always yeah, be like it's so big. <laughs> yeah, thanks for pointing that. <laughs> uh, well, I got two teen boys, so it would, they would really tax its urine absorbing capabilities. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Three minutes of solid laughing. <laughs> Anyway, so she comes out of the, of the shower. Edit this part out. She's what's that? We're edit this edit part this part out. Body <laughs> <Potty> humor. <laughs> She's in the towel and the classic head wrap. Uh, you know, so two towel system. Um, talking about herself basically to kind of give some exposition. Um, as she's such a successful lawyer that nobody wants to hang out with her. Um, but we see someone sitting in the chair in the dark, and so we get a hello, Danielle. And I'm actually going to kind of skip because we get a, a quick panel of uh, justice. You know, we're putting him in with the, you know, his prison partner Wicks in the same cell or whatever. Um, and then Tattoo and the lawyer apparently know each other. So he's like, you know, we have a job, important job for you. And she's like, well, it's been 15 years. Um, maybe we'll go to the bedroom first. Like, okay. So I guess they know each other. 17 what? years. Oh, she doesn't seem that old. I don't. Well, no. I don't know. Maybe twenty seventeen. She could be like late thirties, perhaps. Yeah. Okay. How we don't get to know her too much. Yeah. All right. So again, cutting around, justice is in jail. Um, we get the impression we are given the impression that his cellmate is a problem, right? Uh, the prisoners are talking about him. The prison guards are, meet your cellmate, Gordon Wicks. He'll surprise you. Okay. Is he a magician? No <laughs> wizards. I think you want. Gordon yeah. Wicks, prison toilet magician. <laughs> and then there's the, the guys in the next step. 
Hey, Ramez, that dude is going in with Gordon. He's going to wish he was in solitary. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they're setting this guy up as, a, as some real menace, but he just looks like a normal guy, uh, which could, could make him creepier, but... Um, Even more surprising. Yeah. I'm just a total d- normal dude. I don't know, some white-collar crime? Why? What? You Maybe. killed a justice officer? <laughs> Maybe he built up his rep really big so that... Uh, you know, people wouldn't mess with him, but, but yeah, in the morning, he's like reaching for justice and, you know, justice is on top of that quickly. Just, you know, snap wakes up, kind of grabs him by the shirt, you know, speak your purpose. <laughs> it's like, Oh, I was just curious. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so talk about what, what each of them did. Uh, then we get kind of an interesting part, like our, our first bit of action. Uh, the prison guard comes in to line them up to make them presentable for the judge. So they got a, a bunch of prisoners, including um, Johnson, uh, basically just regular looking tall guy. Uh, he's missing his shoes. And as the prison guard starts to kind of like read him the riot act and threaten him, it looks like he starts having a seizure, uh, which is cue for them to beat him with sticks. So, Okay, so this was the same problem I had when I first read this. But if you read the names, they're saying Gordon, who was his justice's room cellmate. Yeah. But that's so not even though they're looking at the this Johnson guy for a few panels, and then <clears throat> Gordon has a seizure. Oh, is it Gordon with the seizure? That's the thing. They because they oh. sort of go into this blue color, so you don't sort of um, yeah. And then they're kicking a white guy. Him. Yeah, and he's just down, and so you don't really see him as well. But yeah, I, the first yeah, a couple times I read this, I thought they were kicking this Johnson guy who had just uh, without the shoes. But uh, anyway, yeah, see that's see that's the problem. It's because uh, they kind of have him shaded out in blue for a couple panels, and then when we cut back to see everybody, like the uh, the, the shoeless guy is kind of gone. Like we, I don't see him anymore. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. all right. I guess that's a good save. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely a confusing point. But as, as they're whomping on, I guess, Justice's cellmate, uh, uh, he gets a nice look at his eye. Can't help his disease. Gordon may be a criminal, but he deserves better treatment than this. I'm going to see to that. Um, so he basically kicks all the guards' asses. Right? <laughs> Kick to the face, block, punch in the face, kind of close lines the guy over the neck. You know, last guard kind of knocks his stick away. Another kick to the head. Takes out all the guards really quickly. And the prisoners are excited. Like, yeah, it's a breakout. He's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I nullified these guards doesn't mean you can escape. You must still be held to pay for your crimes. I like that he uses the term nullified. (laughs) That sounds very justice. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, um, another cut, right? So we're all over the place. Cut to New Mexico, random truck driver uh, driving his truck, the Lone Star, um, sees something on the side of the road, finds a dead body that looks like Becky Chambers. Uh, What? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) And then uh, we get a a look at Tattoo, who is kind of surveying the scene from above. So like he, this was one of his missions, like, one, find the lawyer. Two, set up a little crime scene there. Um, Perfect. 
we're not really sure what their plan is yet, but not too good. Um, all right, so Justice back in jail, uh, back in his cell. Uh, no sign of the roommate, so probably beat himself and got beaten into the infirmary. Uh, but he has a visitor, which is the lawyer from before. So Danielle Towson is apparently Justice's appointed lawyer, which is, of course, a little strange if this high-powered, expensive lawyer is your... Uh, <laughs> um, Not suspicious at all, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you looking for? Uh, you know, this rich guy, Damon Conquest. I'm fighting him all the time. Um, yeah, and so if some high-priced lawyer comes in with this, you know, who won't tell you who's paying them, yeah, it won't have any connection to that. Yeah, not really. Pro bono work, you know. <laughs> I can separate business and pleasure, right? <laughs> but but she goes in and tells a good story, right? It, 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 from what she's saying, it sounds like she's here to help them. Like, there's no body. Like, they don't have much of a case. We should be able to get you out of here. Um, and, you know, though they might try to make an example out of you and such, you know, until they find a corpse, you know. You should be out tomorrow, right? Like, oh, uh, oops. <laughs> but nobody knows what the truck driver found. Um, so, but as she leaves, you know, she touched him on the arm and says, I detected a slight residue when she touched me. Conquest center. I'll play along for now. So I, I like that he's totally on top of these things, right? Like he went to prison because he wanted to. He took out the guards and then went back into his cell, right? The lawyer comes and shows up to kind of maybe you know, pull some funny business, but you know, he recognizes that um, she doesn't necessarily have his best interests in mind pretty much right away. So, Yeah, I always like that Justice is, um, yeah, he, he's a fish out of water, but he's still a pretty sharp customer. Yeah, he, he sizes up situations pretty quickly and doesn't sort of fall for obvious uh, traps. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's nice when your characters are sort of intelligent, right? Right, right. You know, and they're not just bumbling into all decisions like a '80s horror movie victim kind of thing. A lawyer for me? All, all right. right. She's pretty. <laughs> nice body. Harsh. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so so the judge ends up kind of confirming what she said, right? So. Um, Prosecution hasn't provided enough as evidence, but you're still a prime suspect. So instead of just letting him free, they, they set him at bail at $100,000. Uh, with current 2022 inflation, that's probably quite a lot more now. Um, but I always thought they were like 10% or something in cash. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Thing is. Just, you know. Thankfully, I have never had to deal with that situation. <laughs> so. Sorry, your podcasters live a sheltered life. I guess we're not career criminals, or mm-hmm. I got detention once in high school, and I got a taste of the, the scary life, and I was scared straight from there. <laughs> but anyway, so sounds like he's he's back to the cell, but maybe only briefly. Um, clip back to Arnie, who's trying to figure out. You know, he's still trying to help justice, trying to see. Uh, he finds out that he's on his way out of jail. Of course, I knew they couldn't hold you, but who's bringing for the bail? 100000 is a lot of money. Whoever Danielle is to put up that much, he sure wants me on. Oh, I'm sorry. Cutting to justice. 100000 is a lot of money. Whoever Danielle is to put up that much. Um, 
She sure wants me on her side. I don't have much choice but to go with her, as she may have access to the transport energy back to the Winterland. So he's on the trail. Um, all right, so cutting around some more, uh, back to Becky. And she's basically doing like a uh, three-dimensional gun range training scenario where all the like cardboard cutouts pop up and if it's a bad guy you got to shoot it and if it's not a bad guy you got to not shoot it <laughs> right right um but in like this strange uh, stairwell like almost escher painting kind of thing with all the stairs but um, yeah back to that it was like night masks uh cover yeah, a couple of issues ago yeah. very much so still waiting well we had the justice in night masks so um so yeah she does a good job doesn't shoot the hound doesn't shoot the damon conquest one um uh does shoot a cutout of justice right so another justice warrior this one seems familiar though and dead (laughs) so again becky's special power that makes her dominant in this universe is that she has a revolver uh which nobody can, can can really uh stand against apparently it's opposable thumbs, Miss Chambers. None of us have them. I don't understand it either. <laughs> don't get it. <clears throat> but anyway, she's still still working for Dad, the bad guys. Um, Tenson's getting out of jail. Uh, the guard is kind of like explaining why he didn't get in more trouble. <laughs> um, we didn't press charges because we didn't start because you didn't start a breakout. We don't need trouble with our supervisor. <laughs> Uh, so probably just wanted to cover up the fact that they were beating the prisoners that were having seizures. Uh, Thanks, Sergeant Exposition. <laughs> Sergeant Exposition is well placed there as people exit the prison, though. So they, they I bet you were wondering why we placed you with the cell guy in the first place. So he thought he was threatening, but just kind of as a joke. And bye. <laughs> he really wasn't threatening at all. <laughs> So Justice gets his trench coat back and his uh, cool stripy lightning shirt. Um, so uh, heading out, Artie, Arnie is there waiting for him, uh, but notices he's going off with the lawyer. So I think he's feeling a little jealous here, honestly. Um, uh, guess he'd be grateful for her getting him off. Uh, who am I kidding? He's got no use for me now. Now that I've thought about it some more, I shouldn't be getting myself mixed up in his problems anymore. Not since I get, not since I might get the law on my hide. Take care, Tenson. This better not be the last of Arnie. <laughs> but he does yeah. sound like a jilted girlfriend a little bit. <laughs> uh, but the lawyer is getting a little weird too. So she takes Justice up to her apartment. You know, uh, have a seat, have a drink. I'm gonna get out of this starchy union suit, right? Changing out of her clothes to something a little more evening wearish. Um, this kind of looks like a nice blouse like she's not 100% out to seduce perhaps um, but Justice turns on the TV because <laughs> that's where we learn about things in the new universe just the <laughs> television um, so again you know she's kind of like on him a little bit kind of taking off his coat and trying to talk to him uh, trying to learn more about him and he's hold on All right so New Mexico today new development in the case of the missing Justice Department agent 
uh, truck driver discovered the body of Rebecca Chambers lying on the roadside while driving on his route. The Justice Department says they will issue a warrant for the rearrest of the prime suspect who was released on bail earlier today. Like, they're pretty quick with that news. Like, maybe they should have held off until the Justice Department had a chance to track him down. Uh, but anyway, so Justice is surprised. Becky dead? Uh, and he takes off, right? So she tries to get him to stay, you know, the, the cops are going to go to Arnie's place first. Uh, you, they won't look for you here. You know, again, not really sure what she's trying to do um, since she's clearly working for dad slash tattoo. Um, but she doesn't want him to go. Maybe doesn't want him to get, to get rearrested. Uh, but we end with him basically taking off, which again, I love like, you know, he's not having any of her wiles. Uh, just, all right, I'm out of here. <laughs> I gotta go figure this out. <laughs> you know, peeks around the corner and sees the police, runs the other way, hops a hobo. Uh, Time to escape and find some way to avoid the law while I plan my next move. Next issue, Haunted Heart. And letters. (laughs) Amazing. Letters to justice. Letters to justice. So... um... Yeah, it, I mean, is this, this is the first one because it goes all the way back to issue first. Yeah, this is your new series is great. We love it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple letters uh, from issue two or three. So that we'll talk. I think that's three is the furthest along that anyone mentions. But yeah, issues of like Justice One was great. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get too much out of the letters. Um, they, they say nice things about Archie Goodwin, about. Uh, the book as a whole, you know, they like the characters. Um, one of the many things that impressed me is the relationship between Kenson and Becky. You have proven you're not afraid to take chances. The interracial relationship is handled beautifully. You didn't even make an issue out of it. Yeah, so I guess that's, you know, we're kind of, uh, we thought the same. It's, it's pretty uh, uh, well handled, not a yeah diversity without throwing it in your face exactly yeah yeah i liked um two i think i think two of them had interesting comments at least you know things to kind of bring up there's like the second to last letter is uh, by kathy bows uh she just finished reading three she's i liked rebecca chambers what a welcome surprise she's intelligent and not afraid to be her own person Finally, comics presents a woman of the 80s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's got the strength of her own and isn't dependent on anyone else, but she's caring and sensitive at the same time. I'm so tired of the usual stereotypical comic woman whose whole existence revolves around the hero. Don't change her one bit. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I love the woman of the 80s kind of thing, right? So. Yeah. The, the, this, these days, that just like means like a woman with, high hair and like big shoulders in her in her uh, blouse or something um, yeah like like everyone tra- misremembers that like every girl dressed like madonna in a music video or something you know it's just like a weird uh, pop culture characterization of what the 80s were i guess yeah 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 so so one more letter that i thought was interesting um was the one right above that right so it's kind of the bottom middle jack Schumas, <laughs> great last name. Um, so he likes justice. 
A welcome addition to my comic collection it says Steve Englehart is a great writer. I didn't care for issue one, but since Steve took over, the story constantly improved. Jeff Isherwood is to be commended for his fine work on the art uh, and then fine work as a writer. Um, but yeah, actually, I had the opposite first impression when I read Justice. Like, I really liked the first issue quite a bit. I thought it was really strong. And Justice was like pretty sort of grim. Like, I referenced Terminator a lot, I think. Um, we talked Death Wish and stuff. Um, and then the second issue, like, he was way more conversational. Like, he was all of a sudden, you know, a lot more, um, you know, kind of just saying a lot more rather than just kind of being the sword of justice and the shield and stuff. So it took me a while to, a little bit to warm up to the, uh, the second writer, but since then I, I enjoy it. But, you know, initially I thought the first one was good and the second one was a step down. So I thought it was kind of interesting to hear the reverse. Yeah. I think a couple of them said nice things about Steve Englehart and certainly the last, uh, last issue, I think we were pretty, pretty high on him as well. Yeah, he definitely did a good job. Um, you know, the the characterization I felt definitely had a little bit of a shift, but but yeah, I think it's been trending upward anyway too. It's just I, I really like the Isherwood written and drawn issues so far. I think we this is our third in a row, maybe. I want to say it was Isherwood and then Englehart last time, and then Isherwood again. But... Was it? Because Sarah was was Isherwood on his own. Yeah, I will check my notes. The um, yeah, so let's. See. Oh, you're right. It was an Englehart. Yeah. Well, I guess I like them both. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the, the 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 person who wrote my comment earlier was Jackie Caulfield, and so um, possibly another female uh, reader, along with Kathy Bowes. It's a, uh, they don't publish a lot of the cities they came from, but you, it's always interesting to see where these, you know, sort of all across the country, different demographic groups in the audience and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm hoping this means we'll get more mail bags in next, <laughs> next month's issues with the more, more books. Yeah, it'd be really nice to have a consistent stream of letters, pages, even if it was like every other comic or something, but yeah, don't know what's been holding them up on that one, but okay. Yeah, yeah it's just work, I guess. Answer letters. Yeah, they said nice things about you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it feels a little bit like a prove it kind of thing, though. It's like you know, all you're just printing a bunch of letters about the effusive praise to issue one and two and three or whatever. But you know, I feel like a typical com comics page in the era will have like mostly positive things, but occasionally someone will be like pointing out things wrong or like little criticisms yeah. or like oh, I wasn't a huge fan of the art in this issue, and like they tended to publish that stuff, but. Yeah, they'd give something like, yeah, one or two no prize answers. And uh, yeah, maybe there'd be something that wasn't complimentary, but, you know, it wasn't uh, uh, too inflammatory either, you know. No. It's not exactly like Twitter, but. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, thankfully not. <laughs> Other than that really cool at Kickers Inc. Twitter handle, the whole thing is. That's where you find the good worth, stuff. Hardly worth looking at. <laughs> 
chilling the content. <laughs> yeah, and I, we got a, a fan from Chile or something. Um, Do we? Up the other day, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. He's, uh, he, he did this original uh, Kicker's Ink card. Very impressive. I think it's over on the Facebook page too. Okay, I thought you were talking about a podcast listener. I hope he he joins. I thought you were talking about someone as important. Well. Yeah. So if you see more uh, downloads from South America, you know, mission accomplished. Anyway, <laughs> I guess. Ah, yeah, a fun issue. Um, there was a lot going on. The. Um, I never did learn what MCC stands for, like that Midtown something. Correctional Cottage? I don't know. Uh, (laughs) MCC to me is Monroe Community College. So I don't think they run a prison. Manhattan, I don't know. Two C's. I'm I'm struggling with that too. Yeah, okay. I'm not alone there. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. The thing that's like hanging over this now is Arnie and whether he comes back or not. I've got to say, I've really enjoyed Arnie in the book. And so yeah. I'm hoping he's not just do it, pulling the, I got to go back to my home planet on the Lower East Side. Um, <laughs> it's a bit weak for, for like, a, like you say, it seems like a jilted boyfriend kind of. It does. It does. What? But yeah. I feel like he'll be back. I spent a lot of time with him just to have him just kind of drift off. Doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. I mean, I, I can only hope that like, it's, it's like the action movie where like you, you lose the guy and like he shows up at like the key moment for you. Yeah. Like hits somebody with his cab and like saves justice. <laughs> uh, I would, uh, I don't want to get my hopes up, but uh, yeah, that would, uh, that would be a, a real fan favorite there. Um, yeah, so far a lot's going on. The um, Winterland uh, action remains kind of uh, mysterious. Um, it's still just sort of Becky and the conquests hanging out. Damon says something about our peasants. So there are like people in his world. Yes. <laughs> Um, you see sort of there's a city from a distance. I don't know. Yeah, we almost need like some kind of like goofy differentiator, you know, like if the wiz- the winter wizards were like blue skinned or something, you know, something. There's not a lot of world building going on there, um, which is okay. Um, but since we're spending more time there, it, it, it makes me curious. Like, like, I don't mind that they're not wasting a bunch of panels teaching us about the geography of the winterlands and like their political systems and stuff. But we were also spending a bunch of time in there uh, and not really learning anything. <laughs> so it just looks like a yeah. weird, like every I, bad guy castle, good guy castle. And, you know, there's two or three, like they couldn't hire extras. There's just two or three people there. <laughs> I kind of, um, the, I mean, I would have built more, more suspense if they'd um, if they hadn't shown tattoo leaving with Be- leaving Becky behind with Dad. If they were just sort of um, we've got a mission for you, and then you know 
a couple pages later, there's a body somewhere with of mm. Becky Chambers, and you were like, "Wait, did they just take her back and kill her?" You know, that would have been like a nice uh, way to amp the suspense a bit. As yeah. it is, it's I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, we definitely like we got that situation where we kind of know what's going on more than Justice does. But but yeah, that would have been a nice way to do it. Yeah, they say that there was like someone phoned in a tip that that he had justice has had kidnapped her or killed her or something. And so there's, you know, there's some machination behind this all with the lawyer and the tips and the whatever that we can't quite see yet. So interesting. Some tension is building. Um, So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't leave us hanging totally. They gave us the last little panel of next issue, Haunted Heart. So it's always good to hear. Maybe Although finally it, Justice and Becky will be reunited. I, I in like an ending splash page kind of deal. I would also like a uh, next issue, Designer Death, finally. <laughs> the I'm story done. you've been waiting for. <laughs> it's in Roy, Th- Roy Thomas's basement somewhere. Uh, that one didn't come out, I'm sure. I'm sure of it. Oh, yeah. That would have fit in better after um, the little girl died, right? Like if he had kind of went after the drug people kind of thing to get to conquest, but obviously they went the prison angle. And I mean, he justice is you know quickly realizes that you know he's setting himself up as a target just i mean he gets their attention and then he's back sort of in contact with them and he figures he can take them on as well as uh, even if they they see him coming i guess so it's as good a way to get in contact with damon and dad again sort of yeah well he's proven to be the only competent justice warrior and he even survived getting shot by a revolver. Which apparently, they're <laughs> kryptonite. So, <laughs> every other justice warrior fell before. Yeah, yeah. He, he uh, see a gun. They're like, oh, and they faint. <laughs> yeah, when 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 they're talking, the Justice Bros are talking amongst themselves. But oh, we can't do anything without justice. He truly was the greatest among us. They're not wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> Like, I just ride around on my flying scooter. That's the only thing. That's why I joined the Justice Warriors. I, I didn't want to fight. They had, they had a good pension plan. I, I don't know. I didn't sign up for this. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. Boy. <laughs> I say it's a B plus. B, B plus. Uh, it's a solid story. Yeah, no major highs, no major problems, but yeah, I'm enjoying justice. It's moving along. I uh, yeah, I'll give it a B. I think the um, it is solid and enjoyable, and um, there's some like the only issues I would say with Jeff Isherwood's writing is sometimes the dialogue's a little on the nose, if you know what I mean. It'll be like, charge an exposition. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, BB plus is, is where I'd, I'd give it good times. Yeah. No random ninjas jump through the windows to, to save anybody. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, 
remind me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, good times. I will uh, look forward to the next one. Yeah, I haven't even peeped at the cover yet, so I've got something to look forward to. Well, let's see. Shall we take a break and come back with some DPs? Let's take a break and see how many of our DP7 characters have survived. All right. back we're uh, gonna jump right into our second book dp7 number eight dp78 those were the, the speed that the record would go around that what's the dp though <laughs> okay i don't know <laughs> not this is the LP about the 80s 70. not the 70s uh, okay. uh yeah everyone had moved on to cassettes by this point i think yeah it's clearly the superior format that will stand the test of time cassette tapes I remember you could uh tape you could make a tape off of a, a record um pretty easily so it was a, i thought a better investment to get records and then burn a tape from it that you could carry around in your car or something but, right or if you were really desperate you could record the songs off the radio <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. Oh, and now we're really going back. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> BP7. Um, whatever. It hit the stands March 10th, 1987. And uh, the cover is a sort of a more um, concept piece with um, one of the headhunters that's been chasing the DP7. Um, I think it's Bernard, the leader. Um, and I'll a, defer to you as the expert of headhunter names. Yeah, I've been working on the list of names we were given that everyone's just sort of casually refers to each other. So I'll, I'll upload or Twitter, tweet out uh, what I've put together so far at some point. Um, it's just him and a couple of disembodied hands with guns in a uh, shooting gallery with uh, targets that are all... Um, Actually, yeah, the, the same DP uh, displaced persons that they're chasing this week. So, yeah, last, pictures of the ones that have not been captured yet. Right. Last uh, issue um, Charlie, uh, Scuzz, and uh, uh, what am I missing? Stephanie were all captured. So, you just have to open up the page to find out who you're missing. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. You're just looking at that. Um, so yeah, the splash is, uh, the title is The Hunt, and the splash is just a close-up of Dave's face as he's shouting, Stephanie! Yeah. He's, uh, yeah, pretty uh, distraught, we'll say. Um, the creative team is the same as ever. Uh, Mark Ruinwald, writer, Paul Ryan Pensler, and actually made a little change in the inkers, Williamson and Bulanati. Um, so Dave is uh, looking for Stephanie, who was 
kidnapped from the hospital. They were visiting her estranged husband, which mm. David put him in there. Um, sort of. There's a long story, but you know, it's story. complicated. Complicated. Um, David's looking around uh, as, as we get started, um, thinking, I knew it was a bad idea to come here. This is, yeah. um, and uh, he he's, uh, doesn't know what to do or where to go. Obviously, they're kind of fugitives, and now um, she can't find Stephanie, and they don't have a way of contacting her or tracing her. <laughs> but they do have all of her kids. <laughs> Three kids, all under the age of 10. Yay! And uh, they, they're not too thrilled with either Dave or Lenore, who's, who is helping him on this uh, caper. And their mother's disappeared. So, um, I forget his name. Billy? I don't know. Annoying uh, kid number one. Yeah. Where's my mommy? And uh, Lenore is like, ah, she'll be back. Uh, David, Lenore, what's with Steph's kids? I thought they were sleeping. You were shouting awaken them. Okay, yeah. So he's um, he, he tells her that um, he can't find her, Steph. And um, if we're lucky, the hospital guards grabbed her. Um, and if we're not, uh, some goons from the clinic grabbed her. And uh, they have helpfully mentioned that the clinic is the institute they escaped from in issue number one. Lenore and he talk about what they're going to do. Um, and you know, he, he thinks he'll just go back in the hospital and look around a little bit, um, ask them directly, basically. Um, and he tells her, t- if anyone comes to the van, um, zone them. Yeah, which, you know, her, her whatever power of shining a light that puts people to sleep is how will I know if it's you? I'll say the password. How about the first line of the Aeneid? <laughs> Why not pick really? something a little easier? <laughs> Dave's uh, you know, a little more uh, a little more of a fan of the classics than we thought, but okay. Anyway, the kids aren't too happy. What are you gonna do, witch lady? I want to go home. What happened to mommy? Why did she leave us again? So yeah, Lenore takes off the masks and gives them the sleepy time medicine. Pleasant dreams. It's a it's a nice uh, um, effect where um, without the mask, it's just this light shining. So it's a little easier on the artist. Um, but uh, it's a, uh, I mean, her hair and, and the mask are all fake. So whatever Lenore the person looks like is still kind of yeah we don't quite know but yeah the the look of like just a shining ball of white but you can see her eyes which still have a little expression it's kind of cool yeah it's a nice nice effect um she's uh thinking to herself that it's um she feels actually better now that she like shines the light on these kids like she's getting more energized by putting them to sleep but she she sort of warns herself to not get into that meanwhile back in the hospital dave is threatening one of the receptionists who's telling him that uh, visiting hours are over and everyone would have left an hour ago and he's like 
look, just tell me where her husband is and I'll go check on that she's not still up there and I'll get out of your hair. And the, the receptionist is like, he's crazy and starts pushing an emergency button. Dave immediately quit stalling. I know you pushed uh, you some security. So she tells him what room to go to and he's thanks and heads off. A couple of guards try to stop him and he just sort of brushes them aside, gets in the elevator. And uh, by the time they get off, he's just carrying them around like children. (laughs) He gets up there and more guards come in and tackle him or stalk him or stop him. He's got about a half a dozen of these guys sort of all dragging behind him by the time he gets to the room um, until he sort of shakes him off. Um, He sees no sign of her in the room, just uh, her annoying husband and uh, asks one of the guards, did you, I'm looking for a woman and describes her and she was in this room. And do you know anything about it? Nope. Then some real cops show up. And uh, Dave is like, okay, well, the guards are one thing, but I don't want to, you know, armed real cops. And so he throws one of the guards at the cops. And then in a real nice uh, action movie moment, he's, uh, he's like, okay, well, I'm thinking to himself, I'm sure Steph's not here. So it's time for me to take off. And he, ah, this is going to hurt. He runs to the window, jumps out. Uh, I don't know how many. Well, they said at least the third floor, right? 310. So he jumps out and lands on the ground. He's like, oh, haven't done that in a while. <laughs> Need some better shoes. Ooh. Um, op- goes to the truck, opens the door, and immediately gets shown on by Lenore. She's like, dude, I thought you were going to use the password. Oh, I forgot. Should have made like, your password. Yeah, I like the, the like touch of like, password i just you know caught up in the excitement i didn't even think about it but he's a little tired because of that so she helps him to the steering uh, uh, seat and they take off so he's distraught oh steffi where are you what are we going to do now um we cut over to the other side of the hospital where the headhunters from the clinic are uh, carrying her around and um, they're talking about how actually it, it's funny how you the longer you carry her the stronger you you feel and the other one's talking about how her body re-energizes you her power does anyway um a couple of the other headhunters are have come to join them or take them off take her off their hands um there's jerry Paracone. i was gonna say it looks like jerry Paracone. Smooth move, Farrakhan. Uh, it's the one who shot her last issue. Uh, Lazar, who seems to be the leader. He showed up uh, in Scuzz's bar fight in the first uh, time we saw them in action. And uh, he says uh, West's group also got the Beck woman, Charlie. So, Meanwhile, speaking of which, um, we move over uh, in another part of Wisconsin to where... Um, Dave, Randy, and Jeff are driving around and looking for Charlie, and they're also upset, can't find her. So Randy sends out his antibody, tells it 
Um, hey, this is your host speaking. Take off and find Charlie. Come, don't come back until you do. It starts flying around, and he's like, yeah, crazy thing always has a mind of its own. Hey, wait a second. With it gone, I'm a sitting duck. Come back in a half hour. Come back. We'll see if he comes back. So um, surprised he hasn't spent a little bit of time at some point, like trying to really figure out this power, you know, like, can he communicate with it? Like, can it like scratch words in the sand? Like, you know, something. We, we, we know they don't have like a danger room or even any training montages, but um, they've been on the road for a few weeks. So he had some chance to kind of, uh, do something as you say to get a better idea of the scope of this thing's powers or something um but we're kind of also in the dark about it so um let's see jeff and randy are like what are we gonna do i don't know um five blocks away the the team of uh hunters that grabbed um, charlie are talking to um the people back at the clinic the key one being this woman, um, Spec, I think, who can sort of see through other people's eyes. And this is really how they've managed to nab several of these um, TPs already is by sort of having her check you know, what each of them is doing. And then once they're alone, they can sort of snag someone from unexpectedly. So um, one of the, uh, the two uh, paranormal guys, I don't know if it's Hackbarth or Charn, is also standing there with uh, Speck and um, saying something about, you know, ah, these lousy freelancers without us, they could tie their shoelaces. The stop short of calling them normies. It was like non-paranormals or something. <laughs> Soon we'll conquer them all. And, oh, yeah, yeah, please, thanks, uh, their normie. Uh, your people are... Uh, Made to serve us. Anyway, back to uh, Dave, who's uh, getting off a payphone and talking about how he had uh, called the police. Uh, strangely enough, now that he's like running away from them, he'd called the police to see if they knew anything about Steph either. Apparently not. He goes back to talk to Lenore and they're like, they're, they both agree they can't keep the children. They might as well just take them back to their to their. Uh, grandmother's house where they kidnapped them from in the last issue um nothing more we can do um yeah i can't say i'm a fond of the idea but uh says dave but his uh this grandmother was already poisoning the kids against uh steph and after this fiasco their grandma was not draining their life force <laughs> yeah i guess not that we saw anyway. yeah <laughs> But uh, when we get back, um, there's no answer at the uh, house. And so this grandma was uh, apparently taken away. So the kids are still out. They, Dave breaks into the front door easily. And they take the kids upstairs to their rooms and put them into bed. They can't find anyone else there, though. And they're, um, they're like, well, we got to find someone to keep an eye on them. We can't just leave them alone. It's, it's is that Transformers the movie? Yeah, I was just noticing that. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Also, a nice callback to an era where you'd have like a list of people to call, like next to your phone. 
Yeah, exactly. He goes downstairs to the kitchen. There's a list of people. He doesn't know Steph's maiden name. So if there's any of her relatives, that might be a better you know, person to call than one of Chuck's relatives who are all anti-Steph. So, but you know, grandma has a list of numbers on the pad. And I'll try dialing one of them, see if we get anyone to come over. Um, meanwhile, across the house next door, you have the classic uh, nosy neighbor trope. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert, come quick. There's a light on in the Harringtons and a huge man in their kitchen. Helen was taken to the hospital this, with her son this afternoon. That fellow must be a burglar. <laughs> Don't have a conniption. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have a conniption. Uh, Geez, the, the, the farmers in last issue didn't talk so uh, old-fashioned, but okay. So he, Dave gets off the phone with a Mrs. Showerman who says she'll come over right away. And he's like, goes to talk to Lenore. Well, someone's coming, a friend, and we don't know if she's also going to call the police or just not show up, but maybe we should split. So I don't know. They could... Uh, like wait across the street or something, I guess, for someone to show up. But um, they, they sort of uh, start heading out. Um, you switch over to uh, Randy and Jeff, who are sticking real close together now, so they don't um, lose each other to these, you know, they suspect they're being followed or something. Um, Jeff tells Randy that he's dying for food and he's going to be a goner in a half hour. So they pull over at the convenience uh, station, gas station, and get some gas and some food in the back. And Randy's not letting Jeff out of his sight at all, even though he's usually like stays in the car because he doesn't look too normal with all the blurring. He's like, no way. We lost Charlie by leaving her alone. Come on. And uh, oh, you like me, you really like me. <laughs> it's already an old joke by 1987, but okay. <laughs> um, totally like, fresh, bro. And she's like, it's a reference to Sally Field winning the Oscar in the early 80s. I forget when. Um, and he's thinking to himself, Are there really agents out there waiting to nab us, waiting for us to drop our guard? In fact, in the next car over, there are. Yeah, there, there, no question about it, bro. Yeah, you, you just yeah, look out the the window, you'll find them. So the uh, headhunters get there. There's three of them in this car, and uh, they're like, "I'm getting pretty sick of tailing them all over the state, waiting for them to separate. Let's get this job over with and get back to normal security work." You know what I mean? I mean, just sitting at the gate and waiting for people to come in. That's what it's like at my work. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so Bernard, I guess, the leader is like, why don't we see to it that the runaround ends here? He uh, stops the gas going in. No, he starts uh, gassing his own car and then pulls a gun and uh, shoots the tire over on Randy's truck. Uh, then, which kind of surprised me, he goes right into the store. Hey, bud, is that your pickup out there? Uh, yeah, better check the back right wheel. Looks flat. Uh, thanks. What the heck? Looks like a blowout, but it was fine when we... Jeff is just focused on the food, so he's like, uh, yeah, whatever. Can I just eat, please? 
And uh, Randy's looking around like uh, Bernard is right there. What did I tell you? It's like uh, something fishy about this. Could that guy have Jeff? I don't trust that guy. I think he may have given us the flat. Do me a favor and check him out. Don't let him see you. Jeff's like, okay, I guess. I don't know. I'm uh, to star. Randy wants me to play secrets. What the heck? They've all got guns. <laughs> so yeah, he, he runs around and sees this car is loaded with dudes who are all like ready to gun them down. It's like the clinic. Gets no fool either. Yeah. Um, he immediately uh, heads back to Randy. Got to reach Randy. Get to cover. And he grabs Randy and takes off. And uh, so Jeff is faster than everyone, but he's not stronger than everyone. Yeah. So that's the thing is you, you know, you can't just carry other people around indefinitely at, you know, infinite miles per hour or whatever it is he reaches. So pesky grounded universe. Yeah. Realism. So the, uh, the hunters are to like from their point of view, Randy just disappeared. Those, yeah. You also like Jeff knows to like kind of slow down to s- grab someone and then speed up because it was like he, he took a gun out of someone's hand and like took their finger off. off. Yeah. So again, right, realistic universe. Um. So yeah, they're like, okay, fan out. We gotta, we'll, we'll find them. Um, back to Dave and Lenore. Actually, they're waiting inside the house for a car to come, and they're hoping it's this Mrs. Showerman. Nope, it's the cops. They think, uh, okay, let's let's try running out the back. Nope, there's also cops in the back. They are surrounding the house. Dave is like, what are we gonna do? Lenore surprisingly has an idea. Tells Dave to go in the basement and uh, stay out of sight. And she's like, what has gotten into me? I've never been the courageous type. She's like 66, I think. But she um, absorbed that little kid energy. Oh, I only wish I knew someone who could absorb little kid energy. <laughs> uh, the um, so she sits down and uh for a moment she worries that what if those aren't actually cops? What if they're more clinic agents? But it's too late, the cops are c- coming inside. They're like, ah, oh, someone broke into this this door. And uh, Lenore actually puts on in a good show. Mm, mm, help me get this mask off. Can't breathe. <laughs> so the a couple of cops are in there, and when they they're like, what the heck's this? Um, so one of them takes the mask off, which of course puts him to sleep immediately. The other one's like, hears something and looks into the room and gets enough of the light to put him him out too so david comes in and it's like oh good work you are one gutsy lady should we, we there's more of them outside should we wait for them too yep i guess so 12 minutes later there's a couple more guys on the ground and she's like i don't know if this is, we, we should do more or it's like ah, i've got let's change tactics so going outside, they open the door and just walk out. Don't shoot. We give up. And uh, there's more cops and the nosy neighbors there. That's him. The man I saw in the window. Um, and uh, the, 
they get a little further and uh, Lenore drops the mask and puts them all to sleep. Um, there's one guy, one policeman behind them though. And he's like, freeze, don't either of you move a muscle. He, he can tell there's something going on, but he can't really see what it, what it is because the light is, is facing away from him. And I guess, you know, naturally you wouldn't just assume shining a light on someone is going to hurt them. So he doesn't really understand what the deal is, but he's, uh, he's like, all right, you two face down. And uh, Lenora just turns around fast and puts him out. I don't think he gets a shot off though. Oh yeah. Yeah. Patam. So that looks good. Um, she grabs the mask and she's like, why am I so impulsive now? Becoming so foolhardy, and uh, Dave's like, "Great work, Nori!" <laughs> All of a sudden, he's got a nickname for it. Uh, Nori, uh, come on, man! It's better than Lenny, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, as they drive off, Lenore's thinking to herself: the sensations of draining so many of their vitalities at once—it intoxicated me. Oh. Oh. <laughs> We <laughs> created a vampire. I don't know. Anyway, they're they're pretty psyched with themselves and uh, um, congratulating. But um, we see there's a mysterious hand with a gun in the back of the van. Laugh while you can, gorilla man. Ooh, that rhymes. Which one is the rhyming headhunter? <laughs> <laughs> what? Does everyone say gorilla man when they see uh Dave? It's like that's what the kids all said or something. I don't know. I mean, it was just Monster Man. Yeah, he was Monster Man, yeah. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> just said uh, is uh back to uh Randy and Jeff, and Jeff is wearing down trying to outrun them because he well, as Randy says, ditch me. Can't you see I'm slowing you down to normal human speed? It's like, better they get one of us than both. Now drop me, you idiot. So Jeff uh, drops him on the ground, and Randy starts making a run for it. Um, but Jeff goes straight at them, those four agents with guns. They're trank guns, but still. Uh, he like runs at them and uh, got to get them all off my case, off Randy's. Now uh, I can move faster than the gun hand, so... Um, he like slaps them, which is at his speed is enough to put him down. But he's running out of steam. He is still hungry, and we all know he like runs out of energy quickly. So the guys are like, just spray tranks ever, spray gun, spray bullets everywhere. Can't outrun them all. Uh, Randy is headed towards a barn. This is like a farmer's uh, a farm, but. Um, he thinks, well, you know, I can't help him. Hopefully one of us gets away and they can still, you know, keep going. But he doesn't, he feels something from behind, but he doesn't know what it is. And we see uh, an antibody hand sort of poking through him. So I Wait, guess didn't he already send out his antibody? Yeah, that's the thing is like, it. it I was going to say, did it sneak back? But maybe he's... He's yeah. got two antibodies? <laughs> Interesting. Because um, he uh, makes it about another foot before 
spoom, another trank gun goes off and uh, blast. <laughs> He's down. <laughs> Thought you're going to get away, huh? Is that Paracon again? I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell, to be honest. The yeah, hairstyles yeah. seem to morph a little bit. Jeff is uh, also running. He's like, I'm wasted. Arms, legs feel like lead. Ah, Randy, I got him, but I ain't doing so well. Same guy shoots him. Glad to hear it, Speed, speed Freak. Ah, so we're Dang down it. two more. So then Dave and Lenore are way into the light and thump, thump. Oh, we're down four more. <laughs> okay. But wait. Maybe not. But wait, yes, Dave opens the door. Someone in the truck. Gotta get away. He starts running. Feels like a trank dart. Yep. Standard clinic issue. They got Steffi and now Lenore. And he blames himself for dropping his guard. Should I try to rescue Lenore or save my own hide? And I would say wisely decides that He's better off uh, running for it. Um, that they will uh, either get shot with a bunch more tranks uh, trying to go back or um, would fail. And then those suckers would have us all. Lenore, sorry. As he heads for the hills. Um, we have a last couple panels of... Um, uh, one of the other hunters carrying Lenore out of the van while the guy who shot her is saying, the big guy bolted before I could get off enough darts to take him down. He can't have gotten far. Wouldn't surprise me if he came back on a suicide run though. So keep your peace out. And then they talk, they'd heard that the others were successful. So great. Six out of seven snagged in a mere four days Bet these freaks of nature thought they were pretty hot stuff. Wonder if there's enough of these weirdos around that we could become full-time freak hunters. This is what I call fun. Yeah. A little bit meta there. <laughs> so that's at uh, tw- the end of the 23rd page, and it, it doesn't have like a next time or anything. So No, just a chance for out-of-this-world savings to get subscribed to uh, Marvel Comics. I forgot there were, even was a Silver Surfer uh, series going on at that time there was one that started a, little, a couple years later i thought with like jim valentina uh, yeah the surfer seems like a tough character to, have, to carry his own book personally but yeah and they don't have any of the new universe uh, subscriptions among that either nope and no letters no letters for dp7 and no next hey. issue blurb next issue um i'm gonna say a coloring mistake because it's a uh african-american uh headhunter who um uh, shot them in the back of the winnebago and when you see those hands they are uh, caucasian color was it or was it the gray-haired guy shot him in the back of the winnebago and then the other guy came up in the car after um Okay, I thought it was the other way around, but it, uh, either way. As you can see a little bit of green on the rip by the hands. Oh, the you're big, right. Okay. The white guy's got the green coat. Okay. I thought, yeah, the uh, the other guy had been in there, and this guy had just come to help him 
take the take Lenore out, but if he was green coat was in there and the other guy had just arrived, that would make more, even more sense. Fair enough. No, no prize when you uh, out talk me from a mistake. I thought so. let's try. Though the 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 white haired gentleman who's in this one a lot is not in that original image of the headhunters. I don't think really. Like, um, you had kind of. I mean, we're talking about something that our listeners can't see, but but yeah, in like the original panel where they're all kind of sitting there, uh, listening to getting their mission, like. I don't really see that guy. So, yeah, I think I have him as West. The uh, so it's more blonde looking, um, but I'm not sure now. Mm. Yeah, I don't think that's West. Well, I mean, he might be West, but like page, way back when, like page nine, you can see. You the blonde guy and the gray haired guy on the same panel. So I don't know who these headhunters are. <laughs> My work continues. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So I thought, um, yeah, West was, um, like when I was trying to figure out all of the kickers. Oh, well, it says this is West. Okay. So, yeah, I was trying to figure out the New York Smashers players. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I might have been working harder at it that, than the writers <laughs> were, but <laughs> yeah, the um, that was like the only from like the first issue of DP Seven that they uh, headhunters appear in. I guess it's number six um, when like Void was giving them a PowerPoint presentation. Uh, yeah, had a nice. Uh, audience shot there but it's kind of early and so now it's a couple of issues later and they're not a you know it's hard to match up um, all the faces maybe one of them quit and they had to bring on a replacement headhunter right or like didn't pass the background check <laughs> interesting so the headhunters are an interesting bunch i you know i thought they'd use more people with paranormals or paranormal abilities at the first um these guys seem like they're more like special forces or something just like highly trained yeah but i guess if we're going timeline wise the clinic is already up and running by the time you know the randy and david sort of find it but we don't really know how long but it also hasn't been that long since like between white event and you know, them running into the clinic, I presume. So maybe they just haven't trained and brainwashed a whole lot of paranormals yet. You know, I, th I think they maybe even implied maybe there's like two teams of them or something like that. But, but yeah, I think maybe they're kind of exhausting their uh, loyal paranormal goons pretty quickly. So they had to hire some special investigators kind of dudes. That's, that's what I took from it, at least. It's uh, a reasonable uh, approach. Yeah, the um, it's interesting that just like the one psychic paranormal that like lets you keep an eye on each of them that was like the key to uh, recapturing them. I don't know if uh, sometimes the uh, power set you know that doesn't seem super you know powerful is is actually the one that like 
gives you the edge that uh, so like a few well-trained normies and one psychic can beat all these like physical powerhouses and speedsters and whatever Interesting. yeah yeah because they have a smart combination too right so it's kind of like the um the initial team of three that was going after dp7 you know we kind of had the the guy who could kind of track them with smell and then you know the guy who was more sort of attack with the psychoplasmic shot um and then uh was it vice versa who again can kind of like counter their powers kind of thing so they had kind of a good team up so the clinic is well prepared they know what they're doing you know they understand the escapees powers right so they're, they're really kind of overmatched our, our our characters are but yeah it's totally that if, if they weren't able to spy like that with um spec powers then you know they they would have escaped a lot easier yeah yeah they pretty much have no chance they can just see the, see them figure out wherever they are uh, so even if they yeah, even if one of them wasn't captured, they would have to either. I was trying to think, like, if with hers, you would have to, like, you know, blindfold yourself and have someone else that they don't expect guide you around or something. Otherwise, they're, they always know what you're doing and where you're at. Yeah. yeah. Or, if, or go into like a really generic motel room or something, you know, like, it's like 300 days ends, you know, that all the rooms look the same. If we each go in one of those, then they'll never be able to figure out which one. Yeah. So but again, they don't they don't actually know how they're being kept track of. So yeah, that's always interesting. They they're really operating in the dark a lot of the time. So yeah, Dave being in the last one is is uh, a little unexpected. Like I said, uh, Randy or Jeff would have also been um, pretty good guesses for the the person who could get away. Um, Randy or Jeff because he can just run fast enough, and mm. uh, Randy just because the antibody is so like, what can it do? I don't know. Yeah. It so, kind of fuzzes up the the psychic woman's ability, um, so maybe uh, if he just focused on it, it would be uh, enough to get away from her. Yeah, but also one antibody is out and escaped too, so that's still out there. Yeah, the antibody is always sort of uh, independent minded, so yeah, interesting. I mean, perhaps if yeah, all of them got uh, captured one of the antibodies would be enough to release them, release Dave. Yeah. Randy, I wonder if the second mysterious second antibody can come out without Randy. Like, can he, can it pop out when he's unconscious? I don't know. He was like sleeping when he, uh, when the one um, like snuck into the clinic uh, control room or something. Right. So, yeah. Mm. Hmm. Let's see. we'll find out yeah. Grunwald's good for not sort of pulling things out of his out of thin air though. You know, it's, it's um, usually yeah th- things that make sense when you sit down and, and you see you know where he's going with things so right it's built up a lot of goodwill for uh, from us I guess 
this mm. mysteri- mysterious black phantom astral projection thing makes a lot of logical sense. <laughs> um, it's a joke, but it does, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You you can have magic in a movie, but and if it has some sort of consistent logic, and it's not like magical, wave my hands and anything I want happens, then you know, it feels right. It feels smarter that way. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Um, what else did we have in here? The uh, the kids didn't, were realistic. The Dave and Lenore one and two immediately back out of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is a terrible uh, plan. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing uh, Steffi was already gone and didn't see all of that. Um, if anything, it was the Lenore action issue. Like she hasn't really done that much through most of the comic until now she definitely stays in the background and uh this time she she had several ideas followed through on them and was was instrumental um, key to to their escape yeah she's doing great i can yeah still susceptible to the trank gun I keep, yeah, wondering if this, like, she takes energy is um, going to, like, rejuvenate her more, you know? She'll be, like, a younger woman, but, you know, after she's absorbed more people's energies. I don't know. Yeah. I have some memory of that, so I won't comment. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <coughs> so, yeah, it's... Uh, I think this is pretty much the only book that I'm really not going completely blind into because even like Starbrand, which I've read before, I re- I mostly love and remember the beginning and I don't remember the end, like where we're headed now that well. So, Yeah, there's uh, random things I remember, but I- I'd have to say, I think I was actually not reading DP7 for like the first year and the mm. f- like... Um, when they canceled books after 12, the first 12, they canceled a couple that I was following. And so I started picking it up then. I oh, okay. may have gone back, but it you know, didn't stay with me. So hmm. uh, an interesting, uh, it was, as you can imagine, a little hard to pick up at, you know, once it was really, the story was really going, you know, Ooh, what? Ooh. Yeah. Huge cast. Very densely written, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I think as we move forward, the cast only gets bigger. So, yeah, it's like <laughs> compare the issue number to the uh, cast size each time from here <laughs> out and see by the end where we're at. Um, let's it's like see. the drive your age thing. <laughs> Did we have anything to say about thrashing? I know we brought it up a couple of times, but it's now available on uh, VHS, according to the ad. Yeah, yeah now on video. I would say thrashing was solid, but disappointing. <laughs> like it wasn't quite as much fun as I thought it would be. Uh, but yeah, we, we both actually watched that one fairly recently, and I thought it was kind of funny because uh, the guy skateboard. Yeah, it's all skateboarders and Southern California kind of dudes. And like the guy who was made out to be the villain, I feel like wasn't really that bad of a guy. (laughs) 
Like, yeah, he had a point like a lot of times. I don't know. There, there was this sort of uh, gang tribalism, but he was also looking out for his sister who was visiting from out of town or something. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as good as Rad. I think the BMX movie Rad is better, personally, but okay. the skateboarders have more of like a, you know, I think like a cult following love for that thrashing movie but okay there's also an ad for the galaxy rangers did you ever uh do you remember anything about that i have no memory of galaxy rangers me neither i i looked it up it was apparently a decent uh, sounding uh, sci-fi western combo so um apparently it, it you know ran for a couple of seasons and um, sounded kind of cool, but uh, yeah, I don't have any memory of it either. So maybe it was, maybe it wasn't on like TV. That could have been the issue. Because mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of competition at the time, right? We saw the Transformers movie poster in this one, and then GI Joe, and there's things like, you know, kind of the tail end of like Voltron and Silverhawks and Brave Star, and there's, there's a whole ton of stuff. Yeah, so if it was just like a direct-to-video, maybe I certainly would have picked up on it at that point. Hmm. This would be a little early for some of those like Marvel cartoons, I think. Like there's the older Spider-Man series, but I think it wasn't until like the 90s when they started doing like Spider-Man and X-Men and all that. Yeah, this is like Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yeah. That's the older one, yeah, right? I think that's that was, yeah. It seems like an 80s one, because I know the X-Men one takes off in the early 90s. Yeah, but that's a real real plug for like having the physical comic, too. It's just like the, the ads are always fun, right? You got laser tag on the back. <laughs> Although I, it, it's actually an ad for the laser tag official game handbook, <laughs> which oh. I remember finding in one of those uh, used bookstores uh, back in Oregon. There was one like kind of right attached to the comic book store and they had the laser tag handbook and it had all this lore in it. Like, you know, like, you know, you're a squad of laser commandos kind of stuff. And it was really funny, but I never picked it up. It's probably like two bucks or something. I, I should have grabbed it. It would have been <laughs> a lot of fun to have, but <laughs> yeah, I never I had th- laser tag as a kid, but. Yeah, I thought that was just uh, an ad for Laser Tag itself, but it's by TSR, the uh, publishers of, D- of Dungeons and Dragons, and it's yeah, the sort of book behind the game. Yeah, official game handbook. It's a perfect gift for Laser Tag enthusiasts of all ages, really. I tell you, TSR was always like, you know, just printing money by by publishing D D and then they'd get these weird niche products and like think that they were on to the next big thing but <laughs> <laughs> they just yeah. stuck with their core mission yeah some weird licensing deals were really you know, wasted their time and effort sometimes but anyway oh well anyway have we discussed this enough <laughs> We're talking about TSR's uh, business decisions. We haven't even rated DP7 yet. <laughs> You're right. I will give DP7 an A minus. Mm-hmm. I've got to kind of rein in my um, 
enthusiasm for it just so that like when something really awesome happens i have a uh, level to go up to so yeah that's pretty much the same thing i was thinking a minus uh for the same reasons of like all right gotta leave some room for improvement because this isn't the best dp7 issue but it is very good so <laughs> give it its credit but it is it is kind of like justice this week uh in that it feels like kind of the middle act of a of a movie or something we're kind of moving along and a lot is happening but it's not like coming to a climax yet so we just keep going and enjoying the ride so far yeah totally agree well that is it for this week's episode next time we'll be looking at Spitfire number nine. Just Spitfire number nine. That's the whole title. Uh, with Spitfire's life in ruin. Well, oh, <laughs> something to add? All right. I was like, I was just going to say the, I'm going by the covers alone here. So. Gotcha. <laughs> I feel like there may be another title change in, in Spitfire's future. Uh, so, Spitfire nine. Uh, was with Spitfire's life in ruins, the troubleshooters divided. What more could possibly happen? The Sinister Club has the answer, and it's a killer <gasps> by Carrie Bates. Uh, or Jenny's on her own, and she has to make a decision that could change her whole life. Uh, judging by last issue, I'm, I'm thinking Jenny's on her own, and she has to make a decision that could change her whole life. But Yeah. And Starbrand will be taking a break again and on its now my bi-monthly schedule. And we will return with it next month with number eight. Womp womp. So remember, you can find us over at uh, kickersinc.com. And you can always email us at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com, where... Uh, We'll be happy to take questions, read letters on the air, and otherwise um, be better than Marvel in the 80s was with its mailbag for the new universe. If we can. I double dog dare you to email us. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, we'll see you back at the Spinner Rack.